Welcome to Bat Therapy, exploring your favorite comic book characters through the lens of clinical psychology. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We're your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding, and it's not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. It's finally here, yes. So, can we talk about how great that new theme is it's so simple (laughs) but it's so it's effective like it hits like a wrestling intro like it it, (laughs) it's not just like oh this is gonna set the scene like when you hear it matt reeves batman is about to punch someone in the face really hard so it's so good if 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 our listeners out there have not picked up on it yet we are going to be discussing um matt reeves the Batman in all of its wonderful dark glory. Yes. And you're going to learn pretty quickly that Keaton and I absolutely love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I've had it. I've, I feel like I've, I've watched a little bit of it every day since it hit uh, streaming, which is on HBO max. If you, yes, I was excited know. for it to be on HBO max so I could watch it again. Yeah. So the source material today is going to be pretty simple. Um, Matt Reeves, the Batman, a wonderful three hour, uh, tale of two orphans. Yes. So, um, I think, you know, you and I, Keaton, uh, pretty quickly agreed on what we thought the defining topic for this would be. Cause I mean, three hours, it's a lot of, that's a lot of content for us to talk about. We can't talk about every single thing. Right. But the movie, I think, sets the stage literally from its first few seconds to line up with, I think, something very, very appropriate for our podcast, which is essentially, I mean, at the beginning, you don't know if you're you're seeing things through the eyes of the Riddler or the Batman. Right. I assumed that it was the, the uh, that I thought it was Batman at yeah. the beginning and then you find out very quickly that it was the Riddler doing like serial serial killer research like doing his <laughs> doing his due his due diligence his before yep, yep. striking down his first victim uh and you realize very early on that this this isn't just a Riddle me this goofball Riddler. This this guy's filled with rage. Like he's yes brutally angry. Yeah. Like, you know who else is brutally angry? Who? Batman. Oh yeah. Batman is brutal. Like you see him in his first scenes, and he's talking about I can't be everywhere. So essentially, I have to make people terrified that I'm behind every corner. And I then he love goes, it. Right, and then he goes in, and you just see the anger in the fight scene all the anger that's billowing out of him to the point where the person he's saving like begs him not to to hurt him too right and it was <laughs> it was so funny because when i watched it the way that they shot 
that part of the movie when like all of these different crimes are being committed and they all at the same time see the bat signal flash up in the sky and Mm -hmm. they instantly look to the darkest corner around them like oh god like the the one guy after he robbed the store he sees the bat signal and he gets so scared that he walks into the road and gets hit by a car right (laughs) they set it up instantly as gotham city is not a great place to be and it was so different from the other some of the other gotham cities that we have seen because tim burton's gotham city is just this weird dark dreamscape and joel schumacher's gotham is really bright with a lot of black light and it looks like it could be like middle earth if it was like the 23rd century like it's just the weirdest looking place and then christopher nolan's gotham is chicago like every time i said oh yeah deep dish pizza that's great like it's it's nolan's gotham is chicago this gotham is darkness and the cinematography Mm -hmm. just did such a beautiful job just setting the scene for all of this and it put us all on edge because okay Actually, I want to know which one of these dark corners is he about to come out of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I I actually have multiple quotes that I'm probably going to bring, bring into today because there were such good quotes in this movie. And so actually, I think it was the first quote that stood out to me hits what you're talking about. And it, it's during these scenes you're describing. And he says, they think I'm hiding in the shadows, but I am the shadows. Ooh. <laughs> Like, right? it, just, it just gives me, like, some of the lines just give me chills. It's kind of like in uh, yeah. The Lion King. is like, Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, he's the shadows. <laughs> he said it. He said the line. And, I, and like, I, I really, I re- I'm really just, like, turning to a little kid watching <laughs> this movie because I had so much fun just absorbing all of it. I, I was literally, my husband can contest to this or, or can agree with this. I was literally leaning forward in my seat for yeah. a lot of this movie because I was so drawn into everything. There's, yeah, there's just so much interesting stuff in terms of him as a character and his development over the entire movie. But essentially, like, it's so interesting because he he very much is vengeance, fear, this is how I can do what I need to do. And yet he's even talking about how it's not really working, but it's it's what he sees himself as having to work with. This is this is how I can make any impact. Right. What's one thing they did right off the bat here that was different from a lot of the other Batman movies that we see. We didn't see the Waynes get gunned down at the beginning of this. Oh yeah. Yeah. We we didn't see it, and That's I a think nice change of pace. It, yeah, it is. I think people, and I go back and forth with it because I know that like, and people have said this with both the Batman movies and the Spider Man movies. Like, okay, we get it. Uncle Ben got killed. Okay, we get it. The Waynes got murdered, yep. and so they're Pearls tired of fell right, and yeah. they're tired of seeing it. Now I go back and forth with it because I always think about like, well, what about the new fans that are coming to the series that might haven't geeked out like we have over all of these movies. If their parents didn't sit them down and have them go through the other movies first, that's not our problem. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. You're absolutely Bad right. Bad parenting. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. 
And so I, like I said, I go back and forth with it, but the way that they did it was still amazing because at the beginning of the movie, the family that you see is very much Wayne like it's a little kid mm, and he's true. like running around a room with like a sword or like just pretending to play with his parents like they're this perfectly happy upper class family hopefully nothing bad happens right but you see it happen and throughout the movie that kid that survives you see Bruce looking at him like oh wow I've been there yeah. That sucks. Well, and and so here's the really interesting thing about So you and I have talked about this behind the scenes of of this pre you know, we started the podcast, but y'all we've been talking about Batman for many years. So we saw the movie. Once or twice. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we saw the movie. We've been chatting about this for a while. So so we've talked a bit about this already where we start with Batman. Right. Right? And then we see the development of Bruce Wayne. Yes. And this is something that is so interesting here because, yes, he is – there are so many things within this movie that show how he is literally trying to be the shadows. He – even at one point, uh, he tells Gordon, no guns. And Gordon says, you're inhuman. That's your thing. <laughs> yes. Right? So there's this whole thing about not being human, being something dark and something that goes beyond what can be understood as a person, right? And yet here's this kid who pulls something out of him. He just can't help it. He is drawn toward this kid. And and this is – so Robert Pattinson is my favorite Batman actor. And it's because he acts through his eyes so well. So here we have this figure – who's trying to, to rid himself of, of humanity, and you can't fully do that. And it comes out in his eyes, and it's so wonderful to watch. Said that magnificently. I had not thought about that, but you're right. You're absolutely right. He does say so much with just his eyes. And it, it was funny because Robert Pattinson, I feel like he knocked it out of the park here. because. Oh, God, yeah. When I walked out of that movie, my first thought was, no one gets to mention Edward Cullen ever again. Like, <laughs> oh, he'd probably be so happy to hear right. me say no that. No one, no one gets <laughs> to talk about him being in in Twilight ever again. Like that man is Batman, and yep. he 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 just he he brought it. He put a hundred percent into it. But you make such a good point. Like he really is just he wants to just be nothing but pure vengeance and inhuman and just mm -hmm. fighting in the streets. And throughout this movie, what's so interesting is he realizes he has to be human. There has yes. to be another side of it. People yes. need more. And he says it in the movie. It's like, yes. people need more than yes. just my vengeance. They need someone that they can look up to. They need someone yeah. that gives them hope. And it was... Yes. It was so great because I keep I keep looking at it and it's like I looked at it almost afterwards as like uh, what came first the chicken or the egg scenario and it's like okay in this instance Batman came first mm -hmm. because we mm -hmm. opened the movie two years in they skipped all the other stuff but yep. they're still early enough that you're gonna get 
some stuff later that you want to see, like a lot of the bat gadgets and some more of the technology that you know he has. They haven't introduced Lucius Fox yet. like, And so there, you know that this is still a very early Batman, mm-hmm. but he has established himself. Like people see him and they know who he is. The signal yes. is already there because we... The police already hate him. Right, right. We've already... Because we... like. Like I said, I think people get tired of seeing the same thing over over again. We've already seen the Waynes get killed. We've already mm-hmm. seen Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne, training to become Batman. They don't need to see him doing crunches for eight hours a day. They don't need, and sword fighting. Like they don't, they don't need to see all that. This opens up, and it's like I'm gonna punch some people till they stop uh, robbing. Yes, that, that's and you're what I'm right. About. He starts with, "I am gonna be pure vengeance." Right. But that gets put to the test in a number of different ways. Catwoman keeps coming to him this whole movie saying, be vengeance. And she actually asks him to do things that he sets boundaries and backs away from, right? right. So, so realizing he's not actually pure vengeance. And also, not to mention, okay, I'm going the pure vengeance route. Hi, Riddler. <laughs> right. So here we oh. have someone who's like, <laughs> you want to see pure vengeance? Let me show you fear, violence, vengeance. That's all we're going with. And not only that, but I learned it from you. And I saw the message you sent out to everyone. And it hit me on a personal note to the point where I see us as a partnership. Right, right. And so it's, and so, of course, now Batman is like, uh, that, that's, that's not what I meant. I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of meant robbing people is bad and and shooting people is bad, and and Riddler he he took it on a whole nother level. He's like, we're gonna kill every corrupt person, and so it's funny because at the beginning of this movie, of course, you see Batman and he he like beats up the people that are about to like take out some poor guy getting off the train, right? Mm-hmm. Riddler is going after mayors and district yes. attorneys and commissioners. Yes. And so here's what's interesting, right? These are very corrupt people. Mm-hmm. And they're high ups that usually get out of getting in trouble. And so in the beginning, technically, Riddler's more effective than Batman. <laughs> right. Right? He has them in all, terms he, of what Batman's going for. He definitely has them terrified. Right. Like you mm-hmm. at one point when they're all just hanging out in the iceberg lounge, which I mean, and, and <laughs> that that's a, that was another thing. That's funny. Like I'll, I'll get back on on that later. But you see all of Gotham's higher ups just hanging out in Penguin's nightclub. And, and, yeah. and the the one guy, he's he's like terrified. He's like, this this is scary. What what the Riddler's doing? Like He's putting people's he, he's beating people to death and duct taping their entire head and putting people's heads in rat cages like this is mm-hmm. this is scary stuff and then it's like wow so he's probably going to learn the error of his ways and then the next time you see him he has a bomb around his neck and things don't go well for him it's an yes. it's an excellent scene at his expense speaking of another example of batman trying not to be human and it actually working against him what kind of idiot walks up to a dude with a bomb around his neck and you're not going to have any ex- 
extra bomb protection? Like what's wrong with you? <laughs> like like I said, this is um, it's not freshman year Batman, but it is sophomore year Batman where he's like, <laughs> I know everything, and it's like, eh, well, exactly. But you're a so sophomore. He's, he's, he's actually tricked himself. <laughs> In some ways, I think, into I I am beyond human. I am not human. And it's in some ways actually working against him. Right. And it, and, and it's funny because he's walking around and he's all emo and listening to Linkin Park and mad and angry. <laughs> and Alfred's just over there like, you, you want me to solve your, your crossword puzzle for you, Bruce? Like, you seem kind of <laughs> mad. You want me to just, like, make you some soup and maybe we can sit down and solve some puzzles together He's remember like, when your parents died and i taught you to fight this isn't exactly what i had in mind right and bruce is just over there mad i'm mad and vengeance and all that and alfred's like yeah you want to you want to come sit down and maybe we can solve your puzzle how about how about that let's, let's... it was like it was like <laughs> scott snyder's bruce wayne like on steroids like like <laughs> that anger but without any of the hiding it right Right, but it wasn't the it wasn't the psychotic anger like Frank Miller's All Star Batman. Right, it wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't. So what do you so what do you mean by that? Because people people use psychotic, but but usually okay. their their meaning's different than what the actual definition is. Whenever I think of All Star Batman and Robin, the go to thing that makes me say psychotic is when he literally kidnaps Robin, throws him in the Batcave, and tells him he can eat rats if he's hungry. Right? Mm. Like I don't think this Bruce Wayne was on. Yeah. I, I would encourage not using terms like psychotic for that. Really? It's okay. Technically not. Yeah. So psy- psychotic is a certain set of symptoms. Okay. But there is like some common vernacular where psychotic, a lot of times people think something really violent that has like an irrational seeming tinge to it, right? I absolutely, I absolutely use it that way. I did not know that I... um. That I was yeah. that I, that was not a can I say kosher a kosher term? Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that. So so when it comes to psychosis, and, and a lot of times I think we just avoid using psychotic in general because it has become just such a stigmatizing term. But when it comes to psychosis, we're talking about symptoms related to differences in the brain. You tend to have more dopamine, for example, um, in terms of your neurotransmitters. Um, I'm not going to go into all of the stuff, but essentially, usually you're seeing things like um, uh, hearing voices or seeing things that other people aren't seeing. Um, a person might have odd or unusual belief systems that get very stuck for them, also known as delusions. Um, a person might have what we call avolition or just this kind of difficulty with actually getting themselves moving, um, might have trouble with uh, thought processes. So sometimes we might see things where um, a person might be meaning to talk to you in a, a quote unquote normal string of words or sentences, but they end up being kind of all over the place. It's hard for them to stay on topic or, or stay on point. And so these are the things that that make up psychosis, but it is very common for people to talk about something being psychotic. And I actually figured it was going to come up today because of the Riddler. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a good. 
So the Riddler, Joker, there are a number of different characters within Batman's world that people are automatically going to describe their behaviors as psychotic. Uh, Oh, they're a psychopath, right? Like that's the go-to. Yeah. And so psychopath and psychosis are completely different, even though they sound very similar. They do. They sound, wow, like the words in there. Okay. I know. So, so, So psychopathy is different than psychosis, completely different. And when it comes to the Riddler, there's definitely some potential for psychopathy. And there's also some potential for psychosis as well. So when it comes to psychopathy, what we're talking about is someone who has very little empathy or lacks empathy, has trouble really putting themselves in the shoes of other people or caring about others. Uh, There tends to be a manipulative component. So someone who's going to not necessarily see the reason to follow the, the rules of the world around them. So we'll kind of manipulate and shift things to get where they want to go with things. A lot of times we think of people like serial killers, like the Riddler, or um, we think of people who have committed a lot of crimes. Um, However, there are also people who function perfectly well from day to day. And, you know, we see them in lots of places. So there's actually plenty of people out there that will say what they got to say to get where they want to get, and they don't kill people. So psychopathy can actually be your next door neighbor, can be, I don't know, your your dentist, your lawyer, your social worker, your, your friend, whoever. Your friend that you do podcasts with. <laughs> Which one of us are you referring to with that? What? I don't I don't know. I mean, you're the uh-huh, you're uh-huh. the doctor. <laughs> I took Psych 1000 in college and let me tell you what I think. <laughs> oh man, I can't tell you the amount of times I'm like, "Oh, go you." <laughs> right? Right? But yeah, so I know we got completely off track with that, but I figured this kind of stuff was going to come up because of the Riddler. And and yeah, we, we say things like, oh man, that person was really psychotic or that was psychotic. Yeah, I say it all, yeah, all the time. It's actually, yeah, a lot of times those kinds of things can be harmful or hurtful to people because it, it connects things that, that actually aren't related to violence to to being seen that way, right? So a lot of times in the news, if you hear about some, so psychosis, um, someone might have schizophrenia, for example. When do we hear about schizophrenia? When someone's schizophrenia is related to some sort of violent situation. Right. But most violent situations have nothing to do with schizophrenia. Right. Right. Um, and most people with schizophrenia are not violent. And in fact, unfortunately, most people, if you have schizophrenia, you're more likely of actually having violent things perpetrated against you. Wow. Um, yeah. So this whole connection between psychotic and violence um, can just be really hurtful for for people. So I like I like to kind of point that out because yeah, a lot of people don't know, and and there is kind of this psychopathy and psychotic because they sound so similar. The lines can get blurred. So when it comes to the Riddler, I think he's a good example uh, that can kind of help tease apart. So he's definitely got some stuff going on where um, he's pure vengeance, right? He's going to do whatever the heck he's got to do to get things done. He doesn't care who gets in his way. And he does it brilliantly. He does it brilliantly, right? So if you have these things going on with you, it doesn't mean you're you're unintelligent, right? So he's doing it brilliantly. And it... And he keeps kind of building on on top of it. He doesn't really have any 
boundaries with himself, right? He doesn't have any limits he's unwilling to cross. He literally keeps going to the point where all of a sudden he doesn't care about innocent lives. He's literally drowning 50% of the people in the city, mm, right? Right. So that's that's hitting on potential kind of psychopathy-related stuff. He also... I was wondering if he might also be schizotypal uh, personality disorder. Wait, say say that. Can you say that word for me again? Schizotypal. Schizotypal. Yes. I've never heard of that. Yeah. People haven't heard of that very often. So it's a personality disorder, uh, which is a term I don't love because it it makes it sound like um, you as a person are messed up. Broken. So I'm just going to call it schizotypal. (laughs) Um, But essentially, when it comes to personality disorders, these are... These are traits that people have that are persistent. They're long-standing for them. So essentially parts of their personality that are inflexible to the point that it causes a lot of problems for them and or the people around them. So schizotypal is actually um, a lot of people see it as as kind of a, a lesser version of psychosis. So you don't necessarily have seeing things, hearing things. You might not have like intense paranoia or odd beliefs. But what you tend to have is someone who is kind of oddball, sees the world in a different way, um, tends to have kind of oddities to them. They're disconnected. They tend to be more isolated. They have trouble connecting with people. They might have like odd reactions um, when you're interacting with them and talking with them. Like the Riddler, for example, he kind of laughs at random times. Um, He also, um, like he has this sense of connectedness to Batman that, that, isn't actually there right so yes that that yes he sees batman almost as like his partner and his brother and his hero right yes and when he sees batman reacting in certain ways he's taking that as information to say okay this is confirmation of what i believe and he's not really taking in things that go against his beliefs so these these kind of oddities to his character strike kind of like schizotypal. So he's got kind of something that that is in this realm related to psychosis in some ways. And then he's definitely got this like psychopathy related stuff as well. So you see how there are these kind of different things happening. Um, and once again, he's he's kind of a nice example to, to separate those two terms a bit. And, you know, and that's, and gosh, looking at it from that perspective, that is another reason why I said this movie is a tale of two orphans because yes. you have Bruce on one end and you have Edward on the other. Both experienced horrible things happen in their childhood. It's... One had a billion dollars. That helps. Right. And and he even, and, and gosh, uh, Edward even says that in a phenomenal monologue uh paul dano i feel like knocked it out of the park as as riddler and he's like he he even says at one point like bruce wayne sitting in the middle of a city in a castle like that's not being an or i was an orphan like it's almost like he's he's he almost gates keep gatekeeps the term like no you don't get to be an (laughs) orphan i'm an orphan i was addicted to drugs rats gnawed at my fingers and 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 he's angry and the reason is you find out later part of it is bruce's fault because the Mm -hmm. money that was supposed to help people like him Mm -hmm. was being corrupted it was being used by 
these corrupt politicians that were taking it and doing other things with it and so i thought that was brilliant because this movie was not saying that the world needed batman this movie was saying the world needs bruce wayne keaton this is why i knew you were the perfect person for this podcast because i know so like we go into this stuff and keaton's like okay well you're you're the doctor here so it's up you know i'm following your lead i'm like no you have a good mind for picking up on these things you just don't know the the psychology terms and the know-how and whatnot. But I think that's just such a, right? That's such a beautiful description of this, right? And once again, he tried very hard to remove all of his humanity. Yeah. Right? And, And so he tried to remove all of his humanity. And that is where most, if not all, of his mistakes lie. And as he realizes this through these things that happen, it draws out Bruce Wayne, which he realizes was the missing component all the time. Right. Too bad he didn't listen to Alfred, you know, years ago. And and there's there's so many parallels between Bruce and Edward because both of them, at some point in the movie, experience like a glass shattering moment when their heroes aren't who they thought they were, right? Mm, because yeah. Edward, of course, when when Riddler is having this. After his when during his monologue with Batman, he realizes that Batman is not on his side and against him. He's like, no, 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 this isn't how this was supposed to go. And he's super angry. Batman also has a meltdown when he thinks for a little bit that his Mm -hmm. his his parents were corrupt, that his dad actually paid and had someone killed. Yeah, that wasn't actually what happened. But for a little while Mm -hmm. there, you saw his world beginning to crumble Mm -hmm. because he's like no this this can't be this is this is horrible and the 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 way they react to it was very very different because well bruce is very very angry but he's still he's just like alfred tell me this wasn't true right and he sits there and he listens and alfred kind of talks him talks him off a ledge but for a little while it kind of gives you that glimpse of just how close him and Riddler could be. Yes. Because what was going to happen to him if mm-hmm. he had found out that his parents that he held up on a pedestal yep. weren't the best, the best people. And so, you know, I'll give it to Riddler. Okay. All the money. Can't can't ignore that, right? There there are definitely some societal things, um, and lack uh, lack of resources that did not do the Riddler any favors. However, one of the key points that I really think is brought out in this because it's how do you keep someone from going to pure vengeance and then they just do destruction after destruction after destruction until everything's gone? Yes, connection, connecting to people, being able to relate, having true relationships not this kind of sense of a a partnership with someone from afar but that true connection so with 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 bruce wayne you know you're talking about how he reacted that's not the only thing that happened in that moment right so that happens he also almost loses alfred yes and 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 i wrote down the quote because i loved it i never thought i'd fear like that again I thought I'd mastered all that. I'm not afraid to die, which he makes very honest from the beginning. He's really not afraid to die. 
I realize now there's something I haven't gotten past, this fear of ever going through any of that again, losing somebody I care about. Wow. Yeah. There's just a lot of darkness because of past trauma. And and yeah. that was a question that I want to I wanted to ask you because we've talked about grief on this podcast before mm-hmm. and how bad it is. But one of the things that happened in this movie that I thought was really really interesting was when they brought up the fact like, "Oh, the Waynes might not have been so perfect." And Bruce for a little while thinks that mm-hmm. they were bad people. Like, how do you deal with finding out that someone that you looked up to was not a good person mm-hmm. and not on top of that in this instance they're no longer in this world they were dead yeah like that that's 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 a rough i i, I imagine that has to be a very rough thing to deal with like finding out like what if someone were to find out like oh wow that my grandfather was a a, mon- a secretly a monster and i had no mm-hmm. idea like how does how does someone even begin to deal with and that I think kind that, of grief. That's, I think, key, something you just said here. He was a monster. I didn't know that. Well, is that person a pure monster if you had a different experience of them? But here's the crux, right? It's so difficult to integrate those different parts of someone because sometimes the dark stuff is so dark. And maybe it's certain things that, depending on where you're at, you might consider unforgivable or difficult to forgive or move past. And it is very hard to be able to see all of these as parts of a person. It's also a lot of times while we, why we as people feel shame. We often feel shame about things because it is hard to integrate into this is something that I'm not sure how to how to be this part of myself and what I did or how I was with the rest of me and what I want to be and how, how I want to be able to view myself. Right. Um, so it can be very difficult to see a person for the complication that all of us are. And you're absolutely right. When it comes to death, it can make things that much more complicated because you don't have as much, ability to work through that and move to a more complete picture of that person because they're gone you only have memories to work off of and you can't confront sounds aggressive but but essentially you you can't go to that person and 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 tell them how you feel or talk through it with them or really do anything that impacts that person that you've you've learned about, right? That that relationship has been severed. Um, so whether it's death or sometimes there are other things that get in the way. So for example, that person's not in your life. There's no way for you to communicate with them. Or maybe it's someone that every time you try and communicate with them, it's not a healthy thing. You've had to separate yourself. These are all cases where you're right. It can be very difficult to... Be able to integrate such extreme negative information about people into who we see them as. It's very hard for us as people to see the, I mean, monstrous sides of ourselves and still see someone as human. You know, one of the words that you brought up just was the next thing that I actually want to talk about. You mentioned shame. Yeah. A lot of this movie and and the things that occurred 
were because of people and their shame and the stigma behind mental health. So in this incarnation, because normally um, Martha's uh, maiden name and the family she comes from is the Cain family. Yes. In this instance, it, uh, she was an Arkham. Yes. And the mom had a lot of uh, a lot of issues and ended up uh, killing her husband and then committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Because of that, Bruce's mother, Martha, was in and out of mental institutions mm-hmm. throughout her life. Yes. And Thomas Wayne was trying his best to cover all of that up and to spare Martha the the shame of the name Arkham. Yeah. I I guess. Um and so that that's pre- a pretty big part of the story because there's a reporter that apparently probably worked for Sal Moroni that was trying to like out this because at the time uh, Thomas was trying to run for governor or, mm-hmm. or mayor. I think he was trying to run for mayor and he wants Carmine to uh, kind of scare this reporter off. And Carmine's like, I can scare him off and kill him, Right. And, yep. and, and so that sets up a pretty big part of this. And so, and, and it made me think of it when you mentioned the word shame, yeah. because yes. there's such a, I feel like there's such a huge stigma when it comes to mental health, you know, people, Absolutely. people, if someone says, oh, they have mental health struggles, I think we should be looking at it the same way as we see if we see someone with a broken arm. Mm. But I don't yeah. feel like that's what happens in the world. Whenever mental health is always something that's sometimes laughed at, sometimes people are afraid of it to the point that people, so many times people are afraid to express their emotions or even mm-hmm. share that they struggle when it comes to mental health because of the the, the stigma surrounding it. Absolutely. And I and I love that you point this out as a key part of the plot because as much as I love this movie, they they could have trimmed a little fat. <laughs> so it's three hours right. and this is a very important part of the plot, but I think that you could lose you could lose sight of it. Mm-hmm. Like when I left and I was thinking back to the movie, I didn't really remember that part. And then when it came up the second time I watched it, I was like, oh yeah. And yes, I, I found this so interesting um, for a, a few different reasons. Um, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of shame. There's a lot of stigma around mental health. And absolutely for what you're talking about, because people are actually discriminated against due to differences in their mental health experiences. And, and some people see it as a mental health symptom or diagnosis. Other people don't see it as that. Um, there's also great arguments in terms of, some of these things have to do with just the fit of the world and how the structure of everything is set up and and how well does someone acclimate to that or not. But absolutely, there's tons of stigma out there. Um, People that have mental health lived experience, they go through life having to decide, who do I talk to about this? How, How do I talk about it? When do I talk about it? And, and have to be mindful that it can impact them. Right. Um, so I, I know a number of mental health providers that have mental health conditions. And guess what? 
you can be in the middle of a group of mental health providers and still get discriminated against based on your condition. So, yeah. yeah. That brings up a very good point. Yeah, because I have like so many friends that are that that uh, several friends that are therapists and all of them have therapists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tons of therapists have therapists. Right. Absolutely. And, and, so it's, and so and it's funny because normally you like you you look at people that don't struggle from mental health as having it all together. When in reality, what it is, is I think everyone has some mental health struggles, but there's the people that deal with it and the people that don't. Mm, yeah. And, you know, some people have really lucked out in the genetic lottery, lucked out in the um, uh, childhood environment lottery. Like there are there are things that add stress and strain or... Uh, remove our ability to learn how to innately heal ourselves or innately manage and cope with what goes on with our mental health. Right. Um, right. And so there, there's this variability and, and um, some of it is just pure luck, kind of like Bruce Wayne having a bunch of money and having Alfred versus the Riddler who did not, for, per him, oh, it wow. sounds like didn't have anyone. Right. Wow. Yeah. Because this, yeah. And this is what's so, uh, different. This Riddler was a true victim of a failed system. No one was there for him. He he grew up. He suffered like he suffered throughout the and yes, no one was there for him. And so he he saw his enemy as the system that completely failed him, which yes. is why. He was taking out all these corrupt uh, politicians. He was taking mm-hmm. out all these corrupt government people. He was ta- he wanted to take out Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. because he's like, this is all like, this is your fault. This is this is this is your fault. This is the rich people's fault, and I'm gonna press reset to the whole system, and. You know, there's a small part of you that feel, that that almost wants to root for him a little bit mm-hmm. until you realize the damage that he's going to do to innocent people, right? Yes, and think about that. Think and, and once again, this is where connection that can build empathy and remind us of of what goes on outside of ourselves is so important because he actually turns into what he hates. Mm-hmm. Right. He turns into someone who takes out the innocent. Right. Which is literally where it started. Right. Yeah. You know, getting getting back to what you're talking about with the the shame and and mental health and everything. um, I I did want to note something else about this, which is. That I found I found it an interesting storyline as well, because I, I, I feel like it kind of. Gave you a little bit more feel of where Bruce Wayne got certain things from, too. So you see that his his mother has these uh, mental health difficulties that she struggles. She also had just intense, unbelievable trauma. Right. Right. And, and struggled to manage that to the point where she was in and out of institutions, which is totally okay people sometimes need that higher level of help at times but at the same time can be very stigmatizing right 
And um, so we get the sense that genetically and potentially also, we don't know kind of where she was at once he was born. It sounds like she was probably doing better. Um because it doesn't seem like he was aware of what had gone on before. Um, but it seems like there's this this genetic potential for right. some mental health struggles when it comes to trauma. And then we also see the, the father's side, right? So Thomas Wayne, here's where we see the fight and the loyalty and the lengths that a Wayne might go to protect those that they see needing their protection. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it as giving a picture of an interesting. Here's what combines together to equal out a person who, when this trauma happens, they develop into Batman, mm-hmm. right? And then they develop into this. I'm going to focus on this vengeance. Da 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 da. And then, of course, we see him. You know, being able to to reach into himself, find Bruce Wayne again. That's a that's a very. That's a, a very good point. And this entire movie is about Batman finding Bruce Wayne again. It was it was so cool. It was very it was different because so many so many superhero movies it's like the 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 normal average person becoming they were the hero that they were meant to be. But this movie does it different because in this movie it opens up, it's like the world has Batman. And it did a really good job of kind of paralleling where we're at in the world today. Mm. Because, yes, we have people that will physically fight battles. We have people that will physically just get in the ring and go to bat. But at the end of the day the hero that people actually need is more on the financial and infrastructure side yeah right and in the daylight where everyone can see you did you notice that at the end oh yeah the the bat signal at in the daytime oh yeah and him actually and batman it's so crazy like the there was a the the scene it was so great because and and this is how i visualize i visualize this it was it's so beautiful at the end, the power is out in the stadium. Mm-hmm. It's it's dark. Nobody can see in the Coliseum. It's just super dark. It's pitch black. But I thought about this. Batman could see. Mm. Batman could see, but I feel like he realized that everyone else couldn't. That's when mm-hmm. he lit the flare. He could see mm. through the darkness just fine. But he realized yeah. that he needed to be the light for people. Yeah. And yep. and that's it was so cool because they bring back the kid whose father was running for mayor that died mm-hmm. at the beginning. You see that kid again and he makes co- eye contact with Batman. And it's just like this this big fulfilling moment where it's like that kid just got hope back. Yeah. Right. And that, that, that's the other piece that's so necessary. So vengeance, it, it, it's coming from the right place. He's trying to right the system, defend people, protect, find a way through the corruption. It's, it's not enough. Connection, right? Connection to keep us from going too far and to really try and relate. And then hope, 
right? We have to see potential for a better future or we're going to burn it all down. Right. And and that's I think that's one of the things that just that makes Batman such a cool character to look at because even though there's this super dark world obviously the reason he is doing this is because he has hope yeah obviously the reason he's doing this like other other heroes like yeah they they do the things they do because they want to help people and truth justice in the american way and you you have all of these different methods but what makes batman so interesting is so many times when you see him in gotham it is in what you would describe almost as a hopeless place. The government's mm. corrupt. Arkham is corrupt. Blackgate is corrupt. Everything is corrupt. And he's still fighting the good fight. And the only thing that can keep someone constantly fighting that good fight is because somewhere deep down, there's hope. Yes. Right. So, you ready for a mindful nerd moment? Yes. All right. So I was trying to figure out what to do with this. I was like, all right, so what, what kind of mindful moment can we do? And I just couldn't get around Batman's like ultimate MO in this, in this movie, which is essentially, I want us to do mindful slow walking in the rain and shadows. So, you know, you know, when the bomb, 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 right? Like he's in the shadows, he's moving in his combat boots, he's fully geared up in his bat suit, and he's moving through those shadows, right? Um, so just taking on that persona for a few minutes, really taking in that that scene. Not the the future fights and blah blah blah, but just the the slow walk in the rain and shadows. Uh, twist, what do you think? Twist my arm. <laughs> y'all can't see it but keen has the biggest grin on his face he he loves he loves pretending to be batman I do. it's great I do. I do too i love pretending <laughs> to be batman as well <laughs> so uh just a friendly reminder i know we've done a few of these um but just a reminder that your mind is going to wander because you're a human being uh, you're going to think about something that happened earlier today or last week you're going to think about something coming up you're going to uh, think about get distracted by something else that's totally fine it's expected just gently acknowledge that your mind wandered and bring yourself back to the exercise okay so once again just a reminder um, we're putting ourselves into the literal combat boots of the Batman. So of Batman, when he's in these shadows of Gotham, he's slowly walking around surveying things while there's, of course, a light rain because it seems to always be raining for him in Gotham. So first, I'd like you to, if you're comfortable with it, close your eyes or soften your gaze so you're not looking at anything in particular. This is just to help you really imagine yourself in, in the combat boots of Batman. And I'd like for you to just imagine what Gotham looks like around you, just to kind of put yourself in that mental space. And set your intention to imagine walking mindfully. Take a few deep breaths. And just acknowledge that during this imagined walk, you will try to be aware of the environment you imagine around you and also your internal state, 
your thoughts, your feelings, and any sensations you feel in your body. And we're going to try to make sure that you take in the whole experience, not labeling anything as good or bad. It just is. So as you begin your walk, first notice the sensation of your feet hitting the ground to help get you focused and centered. Notice where you are stepping, the quality of each step, the intensity of your motions, and the feel of the ground beneath your combat boots. Notice the process of moving your legs. What muscles tense or relax as you move? How does your bat suit feel against your skin as you walk? Notice the rhythm of your breath and how it moves in, travels through your lungs and your body, and then leaves again as you exhale. Now expand your awareness to notice the surroundings you imagine around you. As you walk, notice what you see, what you smell, what you hear, what you taste, and what you feel. How does the air feel on your skin? Notice the sensations you feel with the rain. Pay attention to what you notice in the dark shadows of your surroundings. Let's take a quiet moment to notice all the sensations you experience. Not seeing anything as good or bad, it just is. Try to remain aware of the sensation of walking and the environment you envision around you while you also become aware of your internal experiences. What thoughts cross your mind as you walk? What emotions are there right now? Are they intense or are they mild? Are these internal experiences pulling you in or can you observe them with a little bit of distance? No need to judge these thoughts and feelings as good or bad. Practice just noticing them for what they are. So we're coming to the end of our walk. Imagine that you're coming up to the edge of the shadows where you're walking in Gotham. And as you walk toward the nearby lights, congratulate yourself for your intention to practice your mindful walking. 
no matter how many times your mind was pulled away or how well you think the practice went, just notice that the intention to be mindful is the key and pat yourself on the back. And when you're ready, we will come back to the podcast for Keaton's reaction to the mindful nerd moment today. I think there was something about it. I think rain makes everything a little more peaceful. And I think it, it varies. Yeah. It varies from person to person, but there's something about like even just walking in mm -hmm. the rain, but it has to be perfect. Like <laughs> rain on a warm day, rain during mm -hmm. the winter is just like, I get nothing. Uh, I, I heard, get nothing I heard it. some, <laughs> I heard some labeling going on. What a perfect example. So it's, Mind, you're, so I wholeheartedly agree with you. I absolutely love mindful anything with rain. There's just something about it. It's refreshing. It gives this relaxed, peaceful feeling a lot of times. But you're right. It could be sleeting on you and it's going sideways and it's swooshing around. And, and I think that's a really great example of, of one of the most difficult parts of mindfulness, which is how do we try and refrain from labeling things and pushing or pulling the experience away or toward us based on if we like it or not, right? So let's say it's a peaceful rain. That's easier for us to allow to be versus what if what if someone else listening, their Batman happened to be in quite the whirlwind of rain and as they imagined it, they're like, oh man, it's like pelting me in the face, ugh, right? That ugh, that wanting to kind of move away from it, that's a judgment. And mindfulness is about how do we just allow things to be what they are? And sure, I mean, like, you know, let's say things are flooding and you, for safety, you have to move, right? Move. Mindfulness isn't about ignoring things that need change. But in everyday experiences, there's always going to be things we like and we don't like. And if we find a way to not fight the little things, life gets a lot easier. That's a, that's a very, that's a very, very good point. That's a very good point. I really enjoyed that. I uh, I tell you I think we're we're gonna have to circle back around to this movie because even though we know, right? spent a good amount of time I'm I'm thinking back there's so much that we didn't even get a chance to we touch didn't talk on. about Gordon we didn't talk about Gordon we didn't talk about Selena we didn't talk about Car oh no Keaton Carmine. it's not a tale it's not a tale of two orphans oh my goodness it's a tale it's of a tale of three. three orphans oh my goodness huh. We're going to have to come back to this at some You're point. Right. You're right. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. You can find me at Crafting the Mind on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. You can find me and my friends' movie reviews and reaction videos at teamjvs.com or on YouTube at teamjvs. For more information on this and other topics, check out our website at bat-therapy.com. To keep current on episodes and other updates, subscribe to our Bat Therapy YouTube channel or follow us on social media. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.